Welcome to episode 901 of The Sleeper on the Bus. I'm Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well, man. I took a three-day weekend, took Friday off, so it's been super nice to catch up on some things, get ready for uh, AL Labor tonight, tune into a bunch of the first pitch forum stuff, and uh, get out and enjoy pretty awesome weather we have right now. Not going to lie, it's just pretty awesome outside. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Weather is pretty nice here. I don't actually even have to wear a sweatshirt in my office, which is unusual for 9 o'clock <laughs> in the morning. So uh, that's nice. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm just doing draft prep stuff. So I've been uh, updating my ranks, uh, which will be up on the site this week. Uh, did another one of those ADP market reports. Uh, and yeah, so it's just been a lot of work getting ready for my I think final seven or eight drafts of the season, and uh, then uh, we'll be uh, ready for opening day. Sweet. I can't wait. Joining us today is a good buddy of mine. That's Mike Curland of the Bases Loaded Podcast. Mike, welcome to the show. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I have a huge smile on my face because this is a show that I was telling you before that it's always one that I've listened to, and to be a part of it is kind of still surreal. So again, thank you guys for having me. Of course, uh, I was. Uh, you and I were hanging out on uh, what the the pitcher list <laughs> everything <poker laughs> night uh, a few weeks ago um, during uh-huh. pit or you know the the weekend of PitchCon, and you're all like, oh yeah, it's like kind of uh, on my bucket list to uh, get on sleeper mm-hmm. in the bus. And I was like, oh, I was going to have you on, but now I'm just going to hold it over <laughs> your head for a while. That's um, okay because you know PSP is like, you know what, I'll one up you, Justin, and he got me on Fantasy Pros first. So you know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that piece of pia, he's a sneaky bastard. <laughs> so, oh, uh, Mike, for those who don't know who you are, let everybody know where you can reach on social media and then talk about what you do. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. As you mentioned, I'm the host of the Bases Loaded podcast. I write, I currently write for Rotoballer and Prospects Live. And my big thing right now is the spring training uh, lineup stuff, man. I have this lineup tracker I created on a Google Doc that's pinned to my a Twitter profile, and I recently started my weekly, what's going to be a weekly ongoing series, pretty much all things lineups, any manager quotes I can find, any playing time trends I can identify, as of right now from spring training, but in season it'll apply as well. We're looking, we're watching every little thing we can in terms of um, playing time situations, uh, platoons, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll all, it's pretty much, like I said, all things spring training lineups right now for me. And your spring training lineup, uh, Google Sheet, is absolutely amazing um and uh people should be uh going over to your twitter and finding that because uh it uh it's super cool i i you know you mentioned to me the other night when we were doing a live stream uh for tgfbi and i was like oh okay i'll check it out and then i went and checked it out i think uh yesterday or the day before and i was like oh my god oh how, <laughs> how have i not been using this uh, this week. So, uh, people definitely need to go check it out. You, you kind of show what each, uh, team's lineup was, who they were going up against, uh, in terms of st- uh, starting, uh, righty or lefty, and then, uh, kind of give you a, a little bit of a fantasy take. And it's, uh, I think it's gold, dude. It, it's pretty awesome. I appreciate that. Like I said, yeah, that was the idea. Kind of, I found this, I, I fell into this last year because 2020 was so fast paced Rapid. I almost took a DFS approach. Like lineups matter more now in season long than they ever have. So I decided to kind of take that idea that I kind of came up with mid season to transition it into a spring training thing where we don't have much of a spring training tool like this. So I'm kind of just taking this niche and running with it. And so far, so good. I'm really enjoying it. It is a lot of work, but it's honestly, so, it's like a labor of love. I mean, you got to love it to put up with it this long, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Uh, so we're going to talk uh, about. Some uh, ADP risers in, in the starting pitching market, um, but we've got a ton of news and notes to cover, and then we'll get to a, a mailbag question or two at the end. All of our mailbag questions are now coming from the uh, the Discord for, for the Patreon, so if you would like to have your questions read and answered uh, on here, you've got to sign up for uh, the Patreon and, and get one of the tiers that has the Discord, I think the... Uh, the uh, the cheapest Discord tier is uh, four dollars and twenty cents because Paul and I are children. 
Uh, so <laughs> definitely do that. Uh, it's a small group right now, so you get uh, direct access to both uh, Paul and I. Uh, we got to get Jason in there uh, at some point. So what's Discord? <laughs> exactly. So, How do you do Discord? Somebody asked me the other day about Clubhouse. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, here's me being a uh, boomer, but I'm like, what the hell's Clubhouse? Uh, no, I know what Discord is because I have to uh, suspend my kids' access to it from time to time. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I know what it is. If it makes you feel better, I'm not a boomer. I'm only 30, and I don't know what Clubhouse is. So it makes sure. I had to ask somebody as well. I was it, like, yeah, what is this? It, it's brand new. Someone on Twitter asked Paul and I if we were in, in Clubhouse. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, don't know. I was like, huh? It's, yeah, I, I feel a bit old to be in a clubhouse, so um, I, I don't I don't know that I'm going to join it. But we'll see. It, it feels like just this year's version of, uh, what, was it Google Plus or whatever it was? Um, I can't remember what their, their Facebook was. And, uh, and I have a tough enough is. time keeping up with Slack. Man, yeah, I, exactly. I love, like, she and Slack community. Love it. Uh, but I, I can barely keep up with that. And I, I can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to start going to pile on Discord and then I'll be in the picture list Discord. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, I may get peer pressure into one of them, but yeah, <laughs> I have I have enough struggles. <laughs> yeah, I have enough. I have enough troubles keeping up with the Fangraphs uh, staff uh, slack um, by troubles. I mean, I, I don't keep up with it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just hoping uh, my bosses don't listen to this episode. But anyways, um, let's uh, let's uh Talk uh, some notable new, uh, notes and transactions, things like that. Um, Jake Odorizzi, uh, right after Paul and I kind of finished recording on Thursday, uh, signed a two-year deal, I think on Friday, with uh, with the Astros. They, they lost Framber Valdez. Uh, they also lost uh, Forrest Whitley to TJ, which we'll talk about here uh, in a moment. Uh, but Odorizzi uh, is now locked into uh, their rotation. Jason, I know you've been a big Odorizzi guy in the past. Are you going to go back to the well on Odorizzi this year? Oh yeah, eggs, good old eggs. Um, <laughs> you know, before I before I preface it, there was I I'd retweeted out an article this morning from Twinkie Town uh, on Twitter from SB Nation, who wrote a just a fantastic article uh, uh, that featured stuff about Odorizzi. So strongly suggest people go find that. Uh, off my Twitter feed, but it talks about how there's a probably another level to uh, Odorizzi if the Astros can implore their uh, their their spin magic uh, on people. Uh, and I'm going to find the article so you can put it in in the show notes, uh, Justin. But there, uh, so go read that article to look at. And so it's intriguing uh, about what could what could happen with Odorizzi. I've always been a fan just because he typically tends to come dirt cheap. Um, and you don't have to worry about it. Now, the fit in Minute Maid Park is not exactly an ideal fit uh, for things. Uh, but if he can, if the Astros can do what they've done with other pitchers legally, uh, then perhaps there's going to be, uh, perhaps there's a little more upside to Odorizzi. But as you said, when they lost Valdez to what appears to be for most, if not the entire season with the finger injury, uh, and then Forrest Whitley is, is seeking uh, a second opinion, but has already been told, yeah, you're going to have TJ. Uh, type of thing they had to do this uh, and so it's it, it it's gonna boost up his ADP because I can tell you that he was going late I mean he wasn't he wasn't even drafted at the point we had uh, when the news came out and he went uh, right around you know in, in my TGFBI he went in the uh, in the middle of the 20th round so Mike are, are you buying on uh, Odorizzi here I think you have to just at the simple fact of the potential for buying opportunity right now. I mean, you're talking about a guy we Jason just mentioned how lady's going and the stuff is just interesting, especially if the Astros can work their magic with Odorizzi. He has the fastball that seems to get decent rise and nothing like, oh, my God, special, but it can play. And then he has, you know, the slider that wasn't utilized heavily last year. But I think if he's going to get a chance to maybe up its potential this would be the team to do it a split finger he likes to throw to lefties i just would like to see what they're gonna plan on are they gonna try to utilize that curveball more i mean it gets crushed but maybe they can help him with a better grip buy more spin efficiency because he has the he has the arsenal it's a matter of putting it together we know last year i think odorizu got a little unlucky i think that's fair to say considering he underperformed across the board compared to all his career totals and again a far smaller sample I think there's a good bounce pack potential and you're getting them again, dirt cheap. And now even if he rises, what he's still an SP five type at, at the highest, probably you get to pay for him. So 
I'm okay with taking a shot over Odorizzi, especially considering, again, even with inflation, it should still be affordable. Yeah, I mean, he's going to definitely rise up. Um, I'll be interested to see how far he rises up this kind of late in draft season. He definitely won't get to where he would have been had uh, he been uh, he signed with the Astros earlier in the spring. And it's kind of a nice situation. My biggest concern is something uh, Jason has mentioned with Odorizzi a bunch which is he is awful third time through the order. And the Twins did a really, really good job of kind of using him only the first two times through the order, depending, you know, and so he gets to go as deep as uh, he can get through those first two times, uh, and then he automatically comes out. I don't know that Dusty Baker and the Astros will do that, and so I do worry that uh, he might get crushed a little bit as they try to get him to go deeper in games, especially with... uh, the fact that they are kind of lacking in the rest of uh, kind of that rotation a little bit in the bullpen. So um, he went, I think, in the 21st round of my TGFBI draft, like, you know, within an hour or two of uh, him signing. So, you know, I don't know how indicative that is, <laughs> considering uh, <laughs> Ian Khan saw that he got signed. It was all like, well, I guess I'm taking him here. Um, I don't know that I'm going to end up with Odorizzi. Uh, a fair amount. I mean, if he drops in a draft and, and he has been going extremely late, then maybe I'll take the gamble, but not someone I'm necessarily targeting. Uh, speaking of Astros, I did mention that Forrest Whitley uh, gets TJ. Um, uh, so obvious, or he's going to get TJ. Um, so obviously uh, he is done for the season, likely going to miss part of uh, the beginning of next year as well uh mike so let's talk about dynasty leagues is this the time you kind of cut bait on uh on forrest whitley oh man uh that's like a loaded question (laughs) because in a sense it's like there's leagues deep enough i'm still holding on to honeywell like like that's just where i'm at so (laughs) that's a huge mistake so yeah probably but there's ils there's usually il spots and you can hold on to them and it depends on like but in shower formats let's say 10 12 even 14 team dynasty, I think you could drop him safely, especially dynasty leagues where you keep everybody. Now, if you have limited keepers, he's obviously a drop. So Whitley's just the, the talent's there, but the health isn't. This is almost like a Honeywell 2.0, it feels like at this point. And I just, I've already, listen, I should have learned from my mistake the first time. I won't make that mistake twice. Whitley's a guy I'm probably at this point just cutting and trying to find something better off the waiver wire. Jason, what are you doing with Whitley in dynasty league? Hard pass. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'll... I mean, it's been a bumpy road. It's been a bumpy road up to this point, and now yeah. he's going to have this, and he's talking about going to seek a second opinion. And you, I said, bless you, when you were talking about Brent Honeywell. But same thing. I mean, I love that dude. Three surgeries ago. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping he gets the pitch in the major leagues. Uh, that's where I am with him. I mean, I absolutely loved him a few years ago, and in my my AL keeper league, I ended up trading him. I had him for a dollar, and I traded him before the surgeries because I've been burned by this type of thing in the past. Uh, and if he does have this surgery, then you know, twenty twenty one's gone. Twenty twenty two is pretty much a wash. Now we're talking about twenty twenty three. And if he comes back, what is he a reliever? I can find a bunch of that stuff. So pass. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, and I've mentioned this a few times now uh, on the pod is that, you know, Kevin Goldstein, who worked for the Astros and now is back over at Fangraphs, uh, had mentioned in his chat that he's got the widest range of outcomes of probably any pitcher in the minor leagues. And that means he could be like as good of a, as a number two starter or never see the majors. And so <laughs> now we know he's not going to see the majors for at least uh, probably the next 18 months. And so, yeah, I'm. If someone's willing to buy low on Forrest Whitley, I'm definitely willing to sell low. Uh, speaking of prospects and being out, Jared Kalenic, uh, he is going to be out three to six weeks after injuring his knee uh, running to first base. Uh, he has a grade two uh, strain of the abductor muscle in his knee that I can't uh, apparently pronounce. Um, and uh, so, you know, it all works out, right? Everybody was yep. wondering what the Mariners were going to do in terms of holding down his service time. They now have an out. This pisses me off, not just because I've taken him uh, in the top like 175 in, in TGFBI and a few other leagues recently, but just because they get off the hook. Like that's I I, I hate that they're getting off the hook here because uh, I felt like they should really be 
kind of dragged over the coals if they if they sum down now they have every right to because he's injured very much like when Vlad Guerrero was a rookie and, and got injured right in spring training so uh, I think he's gonna be fine uh, and be up probably at the end of April when we kind of expected them to hold the service time down uh, but Jason what are your thoughts on uh, Jared Kalenic uh, with this injury yeah, how convenient. Um, it, it does suck that if you that there's not a rule in play that says, hey, you've been caught breaking it. You have to promote this guy. He's got to be up day one. It would be nice if, if baseball uh, punished people for being dicks like that, uh, but they don't. So, uh, you know, I hope the, the playing that it gives them, honestly, I'm not expecting for him to get like the Chris Bryant treatment where it's just a week and he's out. Uh, you know, this is going to push back things to a, uh, a normal schedule. And we all used to sit around and be like, okay, here comes Memorial Day weekend. Coming out of that, that's when the prospects are going to come up. That's when it feels like he's more of a June guy now than, than an, even a late April guy or early May with this kind of timetable and, and the time he'll need. Um, it really feels like he's, we're not going to see him in the active roster. A third of the season is going to be gone. Uh, a quarter to a third. And so that's, you know, if you were taking them early, kind of sucks, obviously, but that's that's where I'm viewing them. Uh, I know it's like going into tonight with AL Labor. I, I'm sure he would have been a, a, a hotter name, um, but his value takes a hit, especially going into with the uncertainty of this. Mike, what are you doing with uh, Kalenic? <laughs> I'm kind of laughing at the fact that he just like killed you and gutted you with that, with the comment of, uh, he won't be up till like, couple months in that's gonna that would kill Did you like Justin. that silence that- <laughs> I, well here's the thing i i don't agree i i think he's i think he's yeah. up i think he's up at the end of april as long as he's healthy so yeah um, and i mean he finished out the game or at least finished out like the next inning so uh like he clearly um yeah it's sort of valdez valdez pitched to seven batters yeah i mean <laughs> he does but the clinic doesn't you know, need like surgery or anything. He just needs time to, I think he's going to be fine. I think they're just going to use this as an excuse to keep him down past that threshold. And then he'll be up. So I'm, I'm not super worried. I would still, if he, he drops outside of the top 200 in draft, he's likely going to be on my team, which means I'm probably going to have a lot of clinic <laughs> shares rest of the way. I don't know how much he's going to drop, though, because I do think – I think most people are going to have that mindset. Even I wrote up to, uh, in my article I dropped today that I think he'll be up in May, even if it's not the earliest part. I think – I'd say 10 days in, maybe two weeks at most into May, I think we see him. It, it all depends on how he progresses through this – through his injury and all that. So Clinic's a guy that I'm still very much in on, and at this count, even I'm backing on. But the discount essentially is going to put him back at where his ADP was prior to the news of Clinic coming up. Right away. So it's like a little give and take there, but I'm willing to take a shot given the fact that his price should drop back down. All right. Um, next guy we're going to talk about is Roberto Rasuna. He's going to hold a showcase for teams uh, on March 12th. Uh, I mean, do we care, uh, Mike? <laughs> like, no. <I> mean... <laughs> no. Like, I, I, I'm gonna, I wish I, I remember the exact quote uh, Jason said, but I'm, oh, hard pass. Hard pass. That's where I'm at. <laughs> uh, are you uh hard pass as well jason I, I am i mean there's still there's still too much risk there i mean, obviously when the when the astros let him go there was a 10 billion dollar player option that's why he just slid or, or you know that's what he was going to be paid they just let him slide right through waivers i just can't imagine that arm is is, is even 90 percent uh in good shape and it's still a risk because he never had surgery to fully repair if, if i'm if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. like he had a slight tear to the UCL, yep. uh, it didn't go the surgery route, and now has to prove that he, in fact, is fully recovered. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So right. the, no. <laughs> I, I mean, I think if you're taking him in like the last round of a 50 round draft and hold or something like that, um, I'm somewhat interested. I mean, this is a guy with a proven closer track record, uh, and. If he is healthy and he looks good in that showcase, he will land somewhere. I don't know where, um, and I doubt it's going to be a place that just hands him the job right away or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, last last pick of a fifty round draft hold, a, a you know a reserve pick in AL only. Yeah, I'm okay with that. And as as uh, that happens, I don't know if you guys can hear the <laughs> sirens, but apparently they're sending the police after me. So, uh, <laughs> I think that's more of a uh, ambulance coming to get Ozuna because he ripped his arm open. Yeah, right? that, that, <laughs> that as well. Uh, Adam Hazley of the Phillies is going to be out four weeks with a groin strain, uh, and it appears that that leaves Od- Odubel Herrera as the lead candidate to win the center field job. 
this is obviously going to work itself out. Someone's going to get that center field job, but uh, rumors are Odabel Herrera is, is kind of the guy who is in the the front runner of that. Uh, Mike, are you interested in Odabel Herrera at all? Oh man, I I remember the days like it wasn't long ago when he was actually fantasy viable and somebody that we targeted what in the two hundreds even like I'm trying to remember when his ADP yeah. was and Herrera's a guy that despite my personal feelings against him, fantasy production could be there. I mean, we see him in spring training. Now, again, it's spring training, but stats like this matter for a guy like Odubel Herrera because he's fighting for a starting gig. We've seen nine at-bats. He's had four hits, a home run, and a stolen base. So he's right there. He's a multi-category producer, and he's better than Kingery. I'm sorry. I mean, we all want to believe in Kingery. We all want to believe it's there's a chance, but he has. he's been given multiple opportunities, can't seem to come through. Although I am curious because I remember reading a quote and I was trying to find it, but Harper was asked about his feelings on Herrera essentially and Harper being the star on the team pretty much didn't seem very favorable of the idea of even like, he just didn't seem very happy about the whole situation. It sounded like, so I'm wondering if that will actually play any part. Will will the players have any say in that? Like will him being the star, being the big money guy, does he have any like sway in Herrera making the team? I mean, I'm going really deep and maybe I'm overthinking that one, but just something I'm kind of watching for seeing how that, but overall just looking at production, looking at fantasy, upside this guy's i mean he was pretty much undrafted i bet you in early dcs now he's a guy you're going to be able to get really late and obviously has nl only upside as well so there was a guy that i'm at the very least putting on one putting on watch list because if he's playing every day he could just give you some power and speed and that's really valuable jason are you interested in herrera at all uh depending on the context sure i mean he's just such a weird dude when you look when you look at the body of work you know uh again on field versus off field, off field, you know, scrum. Yeah. Uh, on field, you know, he went from a guy that was a positive defender to a guy that was a below average defender, like that. He went from uh, a, a defensive ward almost, from almost 10 to negative nine in one season. Uh, and then, you know, yeah, that's the same season he was hitting for more power. But then, you know, we see, we see some of his other indicators just backsliding. 2019 was obviously a disaster, didn't play last year. So it's like how much, uh, you know, I'll take this. You you mentioned Goldstein's uh, podcast. You know, he had Cody Decker on an episode, too. And Cody Decker was talking about having a month off and then going to AAA and and feeling like he had no idea what he was doing uh, at the plate for a while. You talk about a guy here who's had 139 plate appearances over two seasons, and he's going to step back in uh, and see what he can do against Major League pitching. I mean, if I was an NL, I didn't even see if he went an NL labor last night. I forgot to look. Uh, but if you know, if he did uh, at that point, I would be surprised if he, uh, you know, if he didn't go an NL labor last night. But if he's not going an NL labor, then why would he go? Why would you look at him in your own uh, local league? Yeah, is NL NL is AL labor today? Is that what it is? AL labor is tonight. Okay. Uh, let's see, uh, Herrera did not go last night. See that surprises me because I oh, think I there's take a, back. he went for two dollars at Endgame, two dollars to Greg and Sean. So there that, he went last night. So that makes that sense. Format, yeah, I, that that's the format I think he deserves to be a part of because I think there's at bats there and at bats are valuable in any only format. It'll be interesting. I, I there's this tool that I'm going to use that this guy Mike Kerland <laughs> uh, does the kind of tracking the lineups and uh, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of track that over the course of the next uh, week or so and see. Uh, you know, he, he played on Saturday, according to Mike Kerlin's uh, Google sheet, um, batted second, played center, played in center field. So I'm uh, and reports are that he is kind of the lead guy there. If he's, you know, hitting second in that lineup, that's a pretty darn good spot to be. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be uh, interested if, if that is the case. Uh, moving right along, because uh, I want to get to kind of our main topics of the day. Uh, Danny Santana signs a minor league deal in Boston, uh, kind of adds to their outfield and maybe a little bit of their kind of flexibility in infield. Do we care, Mike? Uh, no. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jason? It's a, it's, a, it's a theme today, man. Hard pass. They, you know, they, they, that's the weird thing. So they got Kike Hernandez, who can do the same thing. They got Marvin Gonzalez, who can do the same thing. And now they're going to add Danny Santana, who could, you know, move. That's like oh, fine. You know, having one Swiss Army knife is always cool to have in your house or your pocket, but three, uh, that's that's a little weird. Uh, so I don't know if where he, you know, where he cracks the team. 
Uh, when you look at how they're putting their bench together, you know, Plawecki's got to make it a second catcher. Christian Arroyo is out of options, but Christian Arroyo can play uh, three spots on the infield himself. So it's like, if you're looking for his addition, kind of tells me that Christian Arroyo was on the outs, but, you know, big deal. I mean, he's probably not on anybody's draft plans uh, to that point, but that's where you kind of look at what they're, if they're bringing him in, that means somebody's got to go out. Uh, and Arroyo seems to be like the logical dude as somebody who's out of options. I wonder if this has anything to do with uh, um, Franchi Cordero having COVID. And potentially maybe worried that he's not going to be ready to start the season. So, uh, I, I mean, I think more will be revealed. We'll see how much playing time he's getting, uh, in spring. Uh, and if there's a real shot, Duran's not going to all the Duran noise. Plus, yeah. you know, they still have Michael Chavis, but he has options, but mm-hmm. you know, Jaron Duran's own looks really good in the spring. Yeah. I don't think Chavis is making this team. Um, so, all right, uh, then let's see. The next uh, next thing we've got is Fernando Reyes, Jose Ramirez. Uh, they're away from the team for violating their uh, the COVID protocols. Uh, I don't know that this has much of an impact in terms of their fantasy value, but uh, just shame. 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 I mean, this is the second time now in two years that Fran Mill has had to be sent home because he violated COVID restrictions. Jose Ramirez is a star. Uh, and just should know better. Uh, I mean, either you guys have anything to he's say. He's the other captain, than not even the star. He's the captain yeah. of the team. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's just disappointing. Like, like whether or not you think there should be COVID restrictions, like there are for your profession and for this sport. So, like, come on, like don't. I mean, hopefully they learn their lesson. Though clearly, Fran Mill has not from last year. Uh, and this doesn't happen in season, but it just seems like Cleveland has a bunch of knuckleheads. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't say it much better. I mean, it's just it's frustrating because, again, like, I feel like they're not taking it as serious this year. Like as a whole, I feel like there's just like not much reporting on it. And I understand it's kind of, you know, the, it's everything's getting better which is good, but stuff like this isn't going to help. And COVID is still a thing. Like you, we mentioned, we just got done mentioning how Franchi Cordero hasn't reported to camp yet. So it's, I mean, it's still very much an issue and these guys should know better, especially I can't, I mean, I'm going to harp on it a little bit. I usually don't like to harp on things, but Reyes is just really like, come on, dude, really? So like, I, I just can't, I just can't deal with this. Especially because you know, the, uh, it was out, they, they got busted for, you know, go getting, getting a haircut and then eating inside the restaurant. It's like, come on, you're in Arizona. How beautiful is the weather right now? <laughs> and they, I know it's allergy season. So maybe that's an issue. Who knows? But it is absolutely beautiful in Phoenix, like 360 days a year. Um, and it's, so, yeah, eat outside. Plenty of room. Think of other people. All right. Moving right along. Uh, the Giants signed Jose Alvarez. I didn't think this was really worth mentioning, but Jason does. So, Jason, talk about why you think it's worth mentioning. I do think it's worth mentioning, and I think it's worth mentioning because you look at the structure of their bullpen on how the bullpen is structured uh, with him coming uh, even before he joined the uh, the bullpen, and you look at how lefty-leaning uh, it is with uh, Jarlene Garcia, Sam Selman, and now Jose Alvarez joining Jake McGee. Uh, most teams don't carry four lefty relievers unless they have plans on doing something with one of those lefty relievers. Uh, and since we don't have loogies in baseball anymore, to me, that kind of hints at Gabe Kapler wanting to lead on Jake McGee to be his primary closer this year. Uh, you know, we can all make uh, jokes about that Kapler will use anybody and anybody, and I'm, I'm all for that. Uh, but, you know, we look back, Justin and I were looking back before we started recording this morning, and, uh, you know, Gabe Kapler gave Hector Neris a lot of leash in 2019. Uh, it, and even before that, it was Sir Anthony Dominguez and Naris splitting saves. And then the following year, Naris had 28 of the saves for that club. And so he has shown a proclivity for using a primary guy when he has a primary guy. And then you look at how that bullpen is, is structured. And last year it was messy, but they went out and got McGee. They went out and signed Alvarez, who was one of his more reliable relievers when he was in Philadelphia, when they went out and Kapler and Alvarez were in Philly together. And so they they went and and, and supplemented the, uh, this bullpen out. Uh, I still would like to see them put Aaron Sanchez in the bullpen instead of the rotation. Uh, but to me, I'm, I've taken McGee. In fact, I took him in the in the 21st round of TGFBI uh, as my third reliever. I wrote about him in an article for Rotowire earlier this winter because I really wanted him to come back to Tampa Bay uh, for their bullpen. But he 
got a two-year deal from the Giants, uh, and I think it was more than just, hey, come in here and work the seventh inning as you did with the Rockies. I mean, or uh, what he did with the Dodgers, because that bullpen was so deep, McGee wasn't needed to uh, to do anything else there. But he's got a uh, he's got a clear path to ninth inning decisions uh, with the Giants, and I think this addition of another lefty to the bullpen speaks to where they're leaning. All right, Mike. I mean, here I'm just gonna say I don't trust Gabe Kapler when it comes to bullpens. <laughs> I just don't. Like I'm just, and I'm just not gonna invest in the Giants bullpen. Uh, except for maybe like, uh, I mean, he is going super late. He just went in the 21st round at the end of the 21st round of, of my teaching FBI draft. So I guess it's worth the gamble there as your like RP three uh, or RP four, depending on if you're playing in a 12 or th- uh, 15 team league. Um, I just don't care that much. Mike, do you care? <laughs> I'm just I'm so beat up with these relief pitchers this season this draft season. I mean, it's it's so hard to tell. I'm probably going to end up with more Jake McGee than I want to because I do like to try to leave the draft with three to four, uh, depending on depending on format and all that. I like to leave like TJFBI is a format where I like to leave with three relief pitchers for sure. And he's the guy. Jason grabbed him at the perfect point, like as your third relief pitcher, as a guy who can get you some fill-in-the-blank saves here and there, or possibly be the everyday guy. You never know. Kapler is off his rocker. Maybe he decides, you know what, I'm going to be traditional this year because it's Kapler. We don't know yet. And I'm just going to be like, you know what, I'm going to take my shot on McGee because of the price. And I'm all about chasing saves late because if I don't get them early, well, I, I, what I like to do is get one early and then grab the rest late, one as in closer. But this, So that's kind of why McGee ends up on a lot of my rosters because he's usually my third guy. I'm like, just see what happens. Yeah, I'm just I I I don't know. I mean, I didn't say I was optimistic. I didn't I, say I was optimistic at all. <laughs> I, you know, the more I, I I just did my my reliever ranks last night. Uh, they'll be posted first thing tomorrow morning. Uh, for those of you on Twitter who've been asking where they're at, um, and then I did, or actually they'll be posted Tuesday morning. Um, because tomorrow morning I'm going to do the ADP market report for relievers. Uh, and this is what I've noticed because there's been a lot of talk, including by people like myself, about just how a disaster, you know, how much of a disaster the kind of closer pool is. Uh, after doing that market report article and, up, you know, updating my ranks uh, for publishing, um, I don't think it's as big of a disaster as uh, maybe other people do. And I think it largely has been a narrative from early in draft season when a bunch of these guys weren't signed. But it, it, it doesn't feel that much different than it does every year. There's some locked-in guys there's some not locked in guys. There's some committees, um, and all of those guys are going to lose their job at some point. So, like, you know, I, I wouldn't be changing up my approach to closers uh, from previous years. If you've been in the don't pay for saves contingent, there are guys you can get uh, later on or, or, or spec plays. Um, but if you're like me and you tend to like to leave a draft with at least one established closers, I think there's plenty of those guys actually. Um, I think the, the free agent market is now finally settled and we kind of know who the guys are that are locked in, who aren't. And then there's the usual question marks. So, um, I'm not quite as worried, I think, as maybe other people are. And I do think it potentially comes from this kind of, uh, early draft season narrative that, uh, is no longer true at this point. So, uh, that's, uh, that's going to wrap up all the news and notes. We're going to move on and uh, I wanted to uh, kind of move our mailbag question up in front of our, our rising ADP guys because I don't know how many of those guys will actually get to at this point. Um, so, but I wanted to answer the uh, the question we got for the mailbag and kind of then a, a secondary question. Um, and this was asked in the Discord. Uh, again, all the mailbag questions are coming from the Discord now uh, as I go with sign up over at Patreon. Uh, with it looking like no DH in the National League, do you worry about Matt Carpenter taking away playing time from any Cardinals infielders, namely Tommy Edmonds? So I'll throw this one to you first, Mike. Yeah, I hate to say this, but I am concerned because they really seem to want to get him in the lineup. He's hit top two every game, except for today. He actually is hitting like fifth, I think. But the pro- the point is, is he's playing so much right now. Maybe they want to see what they have in him. Maybe they want to see what Carpenter can still offer. But they're playing him at not only DH, they're giving him reps at second, reps at third. They are really interested in seeing what they have left in Carpenter. And they want to, and they seem to want to bat him at the top of the order. So no DH. I'm not sure if it hurts Edmund or if it's just more or less they're going to kind of plug and play. Obviously, Aaron, I mean, Edmund is probably the only guy can hurt, right? 
no, I don't, I don't see Carpenter playing the outfield. I, I it's it's going to be Edmund that gets days off, especially if he struggles early on. Jason, what are your thoughts on this? Is Carpenter going to screw over Tommy Edmund honors? I think he, especially in the spot of the lineup, because that's one thing Carpenter has the ability to do is you know strong on strong OBP history. In recent years, it's been down somewhat, but previous uh, previous to that, he knows how to draw walks uh, and whatnot. So if you're going to play him, you got to play him high in the lineup. It's like one of the things I'm always staring at is where where especially lineup wise, if they move Edmund, if he doesn't hit first and he hits eighth, and then what do you do with how do you work in Bader? Is anybody can anybody else play center field? For them, I don't see another option on the roster to play center field. I Tyler O'Neill probably can. He's a, he's yeah, a I was going to say, I agree with Mike that Carpenter should not be playing the outfield. But it's <laughs> like when you look at the profiles, and, and O'Neill and Bader, I mean, they're toolboxes. But the range of outcomes on those guys could be anywhere. If they could ever put it all together, it's like, wow. But at the same point, it's like it, the, the, the range of outcomes could be you're on the bench, too. Uh, if if O'Neill doesn't start making better contact, same thing with Bader. But that's kind of where that that situation falls. It's it's a weird mix. But the other thing is, I I know we have, I, you know, Justin. I keep trying to stay in your camp on this. I know we have not had much movement on the DH conversation. But you know, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. We have still yet to have a pitcher take on that bat in spring training. Not that I've seen, and I really hope to not see it during spring training. <laughs> I do. I read an article yesterday; just infuriated me. It was talking. It was they interviewed Joe Girardi, and like he goes, "I haven't really told the guys just to go up there and take three strikes and sit down." I'm like, "Oh my god!" I mean, you're gonna. How is that even in the realm of possibility? Just if that's if that's how it's going to be, then just don't let the guy go up there. But I know we're talking about two plate appearances in a game for the most part. But still, it's like you're really going to go up there and just tell the guy, okay, just take if, if it's not a sack bunt situation, just go up there and take three strikes and sit out. Uh, but that's you know, it's almost like literally the ninth place hitter. It's like go up there and mm-hmm. just crouch really close to the plate. Uh, but the fact that these pitchers aren't even aren't even doing anything, not even going into a game right now, it's all been cage work. Uh, tells me that they're holding out hope, uh, and yeah, I, I really want to hold out hope. But right now, I'm just using it. I'm I'm drafting as if we're not in, in TGFBI. When I've when I've gotten down to okay, I want to take a picture. I'm looking at NL versus AL. Uh, it, it swung some of my choices historically. Last year it was great because it was easier. Um, but you know, this year it's I'm leaning towards the NL guy. When I if, if I have two pitchers close. Because I have to play with the rules that I have in hand right now. And right now, it's telling me that NL guys are going to get to face the pitcher twice. Uh, and so that's going to be two easier uh, two easier um, at-bats for them in the lineup versus their AL uh, contemporary. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about kind of the DH situation here in a second. But I'll, I'll get back to Edmund real quick. Um, I don't think this is necessarily going to hurt Edmund as much as it's going to hurt either O'Neill or Harrison Bader. And so those of you who are on the yearly Tyler O'Neill uh, hype train right now thinking he's got a full-time job in left field, uh, Edmund's going to be playing out there <laughs> when Matt Carpenter's in the lineup. Because, uh, like Mike mentioned, uh, Arenado and Goldschmidt are not sitting for Matt Carpenter. That's just not going to happen. I mean, unless it's just a regularly scheduled day off type thing. But uh, when Carpenter's in the lineup at second, Edmund will shift out to left field and then either Bader or O'Neill will sit. So uh, I, I think it'll work itself out one way or another. And I mean, I don't know that if the Cardinals actually do want to try to somewhat compete this year, that they want to be running Carpenter out there, especially at the top of the lineup. Uh, I mean, his walk rate is still great. But the reason his OBP is down, like Jason mentioned, uh, is because his average is absolutely atrocious. Um, I mean, he hit 186 in 2020, 226 uh, in 2019, and those were fairly well-deserved. So uh, I don't think it hurts Edmund quite as much. Uh, I do think Edmund could run into some issues um, if they bring up uh, their uh, their top prospect in Nolan Gorman at some point. Uh, and apparently he is ready. He's been working out at second base. So I think then Edmund turns into kind of a super utility guy uh, who plays mostly in left field. And then just prices from uh, NL Labor last night, Edmund went 19, uh, Bader went 15, O'Neill went 9, and Carpenter went 2. Yeah. So, and I mean, I'm not showing Gorman as Gorman wasn't even taken in the reserves. He should have been taken in the reserves. Uh, it's a reset league. I mean, I don't know. It's somebody you fab later. I get it. Especially with a lot of guys taking their chances on pitching in the reserve. Yeah. 
Because there's a lot of yellow in the reserves in labor. More than I can remember seeing. Gorman's a guy I've been trying to grab in like the 48th, 49th, or 50th round in draft and holds. But I totally understand in, in like your regular leagues not wanting to take a shot on him because I, I don't know when he's up. He's not, I don't know that he's necessarily a guy who's up at the end of April. He's probably more like a midsummer kind of guy. So, all right. Uh, any other situations we're really worried about with the playoff or with the, uh, the lack of DH? Um, I do believe that. It is still an option, like I mentioned in the last episode with Paul. Uh, I'm definitely more in the uh, 20% chance that it happens as opposed to feeling like there's a greater than 50% chance that it happens now. Um, I'm not closing the door on it for sure, but I think at this point we now have to start kind of planning for it if you hadn't been already. Uh, and, I mean, like, for instance, I'm kind of coming up on the clock and I've make, got to make the decision between Matthew Boyd, the AL pitcher, or Sam Hilliard, one of the guys who may be part of this kind of roster crunch issues without a DH in the National League. So, uh, Mike, what are what are situations that you're worried about in the National League? I love that you said Hilliard because he's the first one on my list that I made here. Because the perk of following lineups is trying to get an idea of these trends, and Hilliard seems like the odd man out, not Hampson. Hilliard was initially thought to be maybe the starting center fielder, but if you look at every lineup so far, it's been Hampson essentially playing center field all but, I think, one game where he played second. So And Hilliard got his reps at, at center field. But the more the more concerning part about Hilliard in particular is that when Blackman was in the lineup, he's the one who shifted to the bench, not Hampson. Hampson remained in center field. Today, Blackman's in the lineup again, and Hilliard shifted to the left field. You see the constant is Hampson playing center field, not Hilliard. Hilliard likely the odd man out without the DH right now. That's like one of the first big ones. There's a whole I have a whole bunch here I can run through, but I'll start with that one and let other people talk. <laughs> Jason, what are the situations you're worried about? Yeah, that's the big one because so you look at uh, the possibilities of what Hilliard could do, getting back to the toolbox comment that I made earlier. He's got plenty of them, but he's also got he's got uh, got his flaws. Uh, and that's where it become that where that's where it can come into play. It's like tools are only good if you can actually get on the field and use them. Uh, you know, we saw some talk, more talk about uh, in in your backyard in San Francisco about Longoria having a foot problem and, and entering a, a platoon situation where he's going to have his issues. And I only bring that up if you're you know, we have, we have to talk to our NL only folks. I mean, I'm not even sure if you can roster Longoria in a mixed league format anymore. Uh, and then just the regular factor of the interleague play and the if we don't. Have have that it's like what do you do in those games where you have where you're the Braves are you really going to put Ozuna back in left field uh you know how how is that roster crunch going to look like uh, you know they want to value their defense but I want to see how these teams are going to handle there's there's not that many full-time DHs in the National League I mean last year most of most teams just use it as a rotating day off um but for somebody particularly like Ozuna and I mentioned him because he's a you know I took him in the third round of I think I took him in the third round um, of uh, TGFBI. So I've, I've taken him high. So he's a high profile dude. Uh, and if, yeah, I took him in the third round. So if, if he's going to have to sit, was that nine games? Uh, and he's going to be a pinch hitter for nine games. That's, yeah, that's a bit of a hit. If you're looking at a tiebreaker uh, to say, okay, I've got Ozuna versus Cruz. Uh, or if you're in all back in on JD Martinez, those two AL guys uh, versus the NL guy. Uh, and at least, uh, you know, Cruz is never going to play the field either. Martinez could, in theory, uh, play the field a little bit, but we've seen what Ozuna can be in. Yikes! So that's really my that's really my factor is is these guys, these big bats. If they're going to have to sit for the most part for nine games, then maybe I'll take that chance on the guy that plays in the. If I got two guys similar similarly aligned, I'm going to look for the guy that's not a total disaster in, in the field. All right, Mike, why don't you just give me your whole list, uh, and if, if you miss any, I'll, I'll, I'll throw them out there. All right, well, here's just a few that I came up with looking at the NL, just playing time concerns. Um, I'm, I'm not going to go too in-depth, but the Mets as a whole, obvi- that's like the obvious low-hanging fruit one. Dom hasn't yet has yet to do anything but DH for that team. That, there's just so many questions when it comes to the, the Mets in terms of late-ending uh, late replacement and all that stuff. Probably lose at bats there. The Reds as a whole have like four players for two spots. I know they've come out and pretty much said Senzel should be the starting center fielder, but they still have Aquino, Akiyama, Winker, and Senzel for two spots without the, the DH there. That can cause issues in terms of platoons and just in general, like uh, just a headache. The Marlins have Garrett Cooper, who I love, but right now it's like him or Aguilar. I don't see a place for both of them. I don't see Cooper playing outfield. Maybe off chance he can get some reps out there, but I just I think it's one or the other more than likely. On most days, Brewers, 
that's that's another one that's just obvious. You have uh, Avisar Garcia, JBJ, and Lorenzo Kane. With even though Kane hasn't uh, played yet, there might be some lingering issues there we don't know about. JBJ should play. So there's again a, another crunch just between the two in general. Edwin Rios is a huge loser out in LA, and the the Padres again another team just littered with talent. You have. Now, Sun Kim, Jake Cronenworth, and Profar all kind of like fighting for spots. Profar has been pretty much relegated to like the fourth outfield type. If you look early on, he's only he's only been starting in the outfield, giving other guys rests, which he'll probably end up with three games a week, just spelling Myers, Fam, and whatnot out there. Kim and Cronenworth should play, I'd say probably I don't know three to four games each every week. Maybe Kim gaining the preference. Those guys have been bouncing around the infield. Playing, I think Cronenworth's played first and second. Kim's playing third and shortstop and second as well. So they're really trying to see what they have out of Kim and Cronenworth. And they're just going to plug and play, but you know they have six guys set and then two spots for the last three, essentially, it seems like the Padres do. So that's kind of a big one to watch. Just a lot of it's, – it's a good problem to have, I guess, with COVID too. Yeah, don't remind me about the Avisel Garcia. That was a tough pill to swallow. This <laughs> yeah, I mean he's done everything right. Lost a bunch of weight, got into shape. I mean, look at you look at the the 2016 through 2019 batted ball data against the backdrop of what was last year, and it, like, oh yeah, we can see what he's capable of. The having to play center field last year uh, out of shape was taking its toll on him at the plate. And so, like, he went out and, and busted his butt to get in shape this year, and then there he is. And it doesn't look like, you know, it, it, they have some depth, obviously, if, if something happens with Kane uh, or something as the, as the older guy on the roster injury-wise. So they have some depth, but it's the last thing as a fantasy dude you want to hear. I mean, I had not taken Garcia yet, but believe me, he was in my end game plan. Uh, <laughs> and he's still out there now because everybody has waited and, and – you should because there's still full-time starters out there um, that are sitting there. But, man, he really took a big hit just just there, right then and there uh, on that. And for me, that was the one where I thought there was a, there was more upside with him given the, given the situation and everything. But without the DH, it's really tough to take him uh, in a 15-team mixed league uh, in the active phase of your draft. Yeah. yeah and the th- oh, God. Oh, sorry. And I was gonna say, and the thing is, though, is they're showing confidence in him in terms of his in terms of his bat because he's pretty much married to the top of the lineup in spring training so far. He's been like a top four hitter in any lineup he started in, and he's gotten regular playing time. So it's mm-hmm. really so it's really aggravating that he's probably gonna be getting squeezed when in actuality they seem really confident in his bat. So it's like I, I'm hoping that they find a way to get him in there more often than not, but I don't see the path without DH or injury. Same. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of these situations will work itself out one way or another because of injuries. I mean, injuries happen, COVID's going to happen. Um, and so I'm not like, I'm not like totally dropping guys off my board, but I'm definitely devaluating. Uh, Garcia just went in my league while we've been recording. So in, in the back end of the 21st round. So uh, that's uh, that's an interesting kind of spot for him. Uh, I'm not, like I said, not closing my you know, the door on the DH in terms of believing it can get done. Because we saw how quickly the expanded playoffs got put together last year. <laughs> it was year. done so, over a weekend, right? <laughs> it was done the night before those seasons. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I'm not I'm not closing the door on that one at all. So, all right, let's, uh, let's uh, kind of move through some of these um, uh, starting pitchers rising up the ADP. Uh, I don't think we'll get through all of them, uh, and so I'll kind of pick and choose as we go. But I do want to start with Zach Plesak because I've seen him go as early as the third round in a 15-team league and as late as the ninth round in a 15-team league uh, over the course of the last two weeks. Um, So he's extremely polarizing. Uh, I'll start with you, Mike. What are your thoughts on Zach Plesak? Ugh. Like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. I mean, all the things are there. We saw him change his pitch mix. It was more effective. He played against really bad opponents, though. It's a shortened season. Teams didn't really have the prep that they normally would. A lot of players were out of shape, et cetera, et cetera. He's priced out for me. I don't – I think he is going to be talented. I think he's going to have a good year. But I'm not sure he's going to have a good enough year to justify this ADP. I'm not as high as others are on him. I like what I saw. But what we saw was a hot run in any other season, and that's what we call the 2020 season. So please ask a guy that I'm cautiously optimistic, but I'm very apprehensive when it comes to buying in. Jason, what are your thoughts on please ask? Agree with all that. I mean, he was the he was SP 24 my TGFBI. He went just after Hung Jim Ryu uh, and just in front of Jose Bar- uh, Barrios. That's that's where he's sitting. Uh, and I. 
you know, I, I look at it with the Ryu and only because Toronto is going to be playing in those very friendly offensive parks this year. I could make the case there, but I'd rather have Berrios over both of them. Uh, and then Hendricks went just after that. I'd rather have Hendricks. Max Fried went uh, after Hendricks. You know, that's where, so I'm looking at the guys that went behind him saying, yeah, I want all three of those guys before I want to touch Plesak or Ryu. Uh, I just really want to see how these these central division pitchers are going to handle themselves when they have to face the other divisions this year because they had a, they had a pretty cozy situation last year. Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, he like I said, kind of, in the introduction of Plesak, I mean, he's super polarizing right now. So I mean, to uh, go from the third to the ninth round is crazy, yeah, crazy he polarizing. Went, he went in the seventh round of my TGFBI draft as a 27th starting pitcher off the board. Um, and that's kind of where I would feel comfortable taking him. If he would made it back to me uh, in the seventh round, I would have been interested. Because I think one of the things that, uh, and I heard this mentioned on the Pull Hitter podcast, so I want to give every, I want to give a shout out to Rob, who's just doing a really fantastic job. He did an episode with Matt Modica, uh, Matt Modica and, um, oh God. Mark uh, Strabo. Yeah, Mark Strabo. If, if you play in NFBC at all, you need to go listen to that episode because they're just two of the best players in the game right now um, kind of dropping knowledge. And, and Mark mentioned on that podcast, like one of the things that people aren't thinking about is like in the innings limits for starting pitchers in terms of actually making your innings requirements. There are going to be teams yep. that in the last month of the season are forced to stream because they haven't gotten the volume you need. And one of the things Plesak can do that we know he can do, that he will be able to do this year, whether or not he's good or not, is get volume. Dude went deep into almost every game he pitched last year. Um, And so for that reason, he becomes somewhat more interesting to me because I feel like if I pair him like with with a kind of an ace and he's my number two guy, I feel like I've already gotten a lot of volume if I'm pairing him with Cole or Bieber or DeGrom. Uh, or, you know, other, you know, Scherzer, Nola, guys who I can feel pretty comfortable about his, uh, his volume. The question becomes, how much do you want that volume? You know, if he, uh, yep. you know, really does struggle with the home runs again, uh, like Jason mentioned, he's, you know, not going to be just going up against the AL and the NL Central this year. Uh, so the, the competition level will go up. There are some concerns there, but I'm willing to take the gamble when he starts falling kind of 7th, 8th, ninth round in a in a 15-team league. So uh, if if that is where he ends up in, in drafts that I'm in, I'll definitely take the shot. But I'm not going to be one of these people who are taking him in the third round um, or no. even fourth, <clears throat> probably not even the fifth. So. Well, I'm looking at Smata's sheet, and like he has a range. His men's 53 and his max is 97. So like even there, he's got... Yeah, he's got a uh, a span uh, of where things go. And volume, I mean, volume is a blessing and a curse. Volume will help you in strikeouts for sure. Uh, but if it's bad volume, uh, that's that's it's going to hit your ratios at a bigger volume too. And you know, to that point, like tonight uh, in AL Labor, we have a 950 inning limit. I think um, uh, NFBC is 1,000, uh, but they, they knocked it down to 950 for Labor. But tout, we don't have one. Uh, and so it's like you can exploit, you can decide to zag. So I, I'm very curious once we do tout in a couple of weeks, how the how the AL and the NL only leagues differ in that regard. Because, you know, here we, you can't just say I'm going to take two starters uh, or you could. But I mean, then you look at the bench. One of the things I noticed in looking at, um, yeah, I mentioned earlier, but 64 percent of the reserve picks in, in uh, NL labor last night were pitchers. So some teams are deciding, okay, I'm going to go with like two, three starters, relievers, and then I'm just going to stream in. I'm going to rely on streaming to to get my innings. Like I'm looking at not that Derek Cardi constructed his roster this way, but he was the one team that used all six of his reserve picks on pitching. So he's looking at it like he grabbed Logan Webb, who I really like his reserve pick, Velasquez, Wade Miley, Pierce Johnson, Chase Anderson, and Brett Anderson. And he's just going to stream the matchups. Uh, around that, because like his his uh, active roster's got Alex Wood, Miles Mikolas, uh, you know he's got uh, Lizier Hernandez, he's got uh, the lottery ticket and Denelson Lamette that he's got to worry about. Uh, so like he used all six, uh, and somebody else used five, and somebody else has got four, and somebody else has got four. Uh, a few teams have four, so I can see teams looking at that to get to that innings limit, and that may dictate what people have to do in uh, NFBC format too. 
where you typically like to say, okay, I'm going to platoon situation. I'm going to grab something like that, or I've got this closer and I want to get his backup. But you may have to use like four to five pitching uh, spots uh, pitching if you're not one of those guys very confident in your ability to work the waiver wire and, and identify the matchups. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the next guy. That's Joe Musgrove. Continues to move up uh, in the ADP. I grabbed him in my TGFBI draft, I believe, at around pick uh, around uh, seven. I'm, I'm just double checking as I talk. Oh, sorry, round eight. I grabbed him. Uh, so pick one thirteen. Um, I. I want to believe. Like, I do. I want to believe. And he definitely looked good in his first spring start. Uh, but, I mean, I do, you know, I've, I've said this a few times already drafts over draft season. I do feel like it's a little bit of uh, Charlie Brown trying to kick the football um, with, with <laughs> Joe Musgrove at this point. So, Jason, what are your thoughts on Musgrove? Is, is, is this finally the year he puts it together? This is finally the year he puts it together. This is it. It finally happens. I mean, in all seriousness, we've joked about it. We've talked about it a couple times in the offseason. You know, uh, Kurt Russell started an escape from New York. Uh, Joe Musgrove escaped from Pittsburgh. Uh, and so it should work out. It should work out well for him. He has the opportunity to enjoy some nice run support. Uh, you know, the, there may be some issues with the ratios, but the wins should be there for him in that capacity. The strikeouts should be there for him. He's going to have some tough matchups when he plays the Dodgers and if he has to pitch at Coors Field. You just have to manage him appropriately. He's not a set it and forget it pitcher for me. Uh, and that's one thing in Pittsburgh that you could do with him is just set it and forget it and hope for the best. So you have to manage him properly. All right. Mike, is this year Musgrove puts it together? <sighs> Can I go UG again? Is that like an appropriate answer? Yeah, I <laughs> like, do think that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to Musgrove, it's like you mentioned Charlie Brown kicking football. It's great. I also picture the guy go commercial where he's the fisherman with the dollar bill in the end. Like you almost got it. Like you almost got it. Like that's, that's what I feel like we're chasing that dollar bill. Like we're just trying to get it. But Man, I mean, where you have to where you're drafting him is almost like SP three range for your team. So you're saying you don't see him as a set it and forget it pitcher, but I feel like you're paying for that as your mm -hmm. SP three roughly. So he was my I, SP two. See, and there you go. Now you have to play. I'm like, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. but you know, you know what type of vibe? <laughs> you know, another another vibe I'm getting is unfortunately I'm feeling very 2020 Matt Boydish right now. Oh God, don't say that. But, but tell me, it's not the same idea. Guy that has this stuff just needs to put it together. He was going to do it last year and didn't. And last, and now he's actually probably looking better than he did last year, and he's not getting he drafted. Hurt, though. I mean, Boyd yes. at least had the excuse that he had the hamstring and and the uh, and the foot injury. Yeah, you know, Musgrove went thirteen and out labor last night in my TGFBI. He was the fourth uh, team four used him as his fourth starter. Took him in the fourth pick of the seventh round after Castillo, Flaherty, and Paddock. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously a Padres fan, big believer there. Uh, but, yeah, that's where I, I think it's a great comp with, with Matt Boyd because we were all in love with Matt Boyd last year. Most of us were. Uh, yeah, but, like, even his range, his range is kind of tight, though. A minimum 94, uh, max of 141 across the TGFBI drafts. So it's not terrible. Uh, compare, I mean, that's a – that's a on, on paper, it seems like a more narrow range than um, who we were just talking about earlier. I mean, he's got a narrower range than Ian Anderson and uh, – even uh, Zach Granke is more narrow. But uh, Ian Anderson, another guy that people really love this year, has got a wider range of outcomes uh, in minimum maximum picks in TGFBI than Joe Musgrove so far. Yeah, and you mentioned injury risk. With, uh, you mentioned injury with, uh, with what's-his-face, Boyd. It's not like Musgrove is known to stay healthy. I mean, he has his fair share of Ielstons as well. So I want to buy in. Plus, you know, he, he's looking sharp in, like, all the one-and-a-half innings we saw him pitch. <laughs> but he was talking really – he was really talking up Austin Nola as a catcher. Maybe that can help make him better this year as well, having a better catcher. under Usually an underutilized, like, uh, part of your, you know, when you're looking at pitchers and stuff. So there is a reason for upside, and the stuff is there. But what we put together – they are, the Padres have also mentioned the possibility of a six-man rotation, which could limit – his effectiveness, especially in leagues where you have to set pitching for the week, one star guy, possibly. So there's a lot of question marks, but I'm not. With all that said, I'm not out on him. That's the funny part. Like I'm like I'm I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment. Just give me some more. But I don't like him as an SP two. I'm sorry, Justin. Yeah, that's an that's a six man <laughs> rotation as long as Donelson Lamette can hold up. So 
uh, yeah, that's not a six minute rotation. So uh, I'm I'm not <laughs> extremely worried about the six minute rotation part. However, as a person who's been clean and sober for almost 16 years, uh, that was the first time I've thought about drinking in a long time. Feeling not so good about that pick now, but I, I do want to move on and finish our last guy. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to have to wrap it up because, uh, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, I'm going to be doing the first pitch Florida, uh, um, uh, conference here in, uh, about an hour. So I need to kind of make sure my kids haven't destroyed the house and then run back out to the office. So, um, last guy we're going to talk about Jose Yukiti. Uh, you know, he's rising up. I mean, with the Framber injury, um, even with the Odorizzi signing, uh, he's locked into a rotation role. The question is, Mike, are you kind of buying this new ADP? Uh, I, I guess like, I'm not really I'm not a huge Rikiti guy. I think there's a lot of Eno tax on this one. Eno, one tweet, <laughs> one tweet from Eno, and next thing you know, Rikiti's getting boosted up draft boards. Thanks, Eno. But um, yeah, I, I'm not. I just I don't know. I, I don't I don't really know how how I should feel about him. Can someone, Jason? Can you help me out here? Because I'm truly torn. I'm not as high as maybe I should be. Yeah, I think it's between the I think it's between Eno the Eno tweet tax and recency bias because Rikiti looked good in the postseason too. Uh, and so our recent memory is like, oh, hey, that that gets interesting. But that's where I'm not as high on the others, too, because even you know last year and what we saw, he just wasn't striking out enough dudes. Uh, and we have the range of outcomes is minimum pick 155 max at 238. So people have been really all over the place on him. And I mean, these are drafts that just started last week and, he, and he's got that kind of range to him. I think there's uh, safer options, uh, especially guys going around him. Zach Eflin, Mike Soroka, David Price, uh, Rogers. Uh, there's McKenzie, uh, who I don't feel safe with at all. Uh, <laughs> How do you but, feel safe you know, with Soroka? Uh, well, I'm not talking about like super safe. I mean, Soroka's already has his injuries. He's going to miss uh, some time early out of the gate. Uh, but that's all I'm looking at there. I'm just trying to go through names that are going around him. Uh, you know, and that's kind of it. And then you get down to Andrew Heaney uh, is like kind of the next guy. So there are, it depends. How dare you disparage Andrew Heaney. (laughs) Depends what you need on Rajo. You really don't want to listen to the latest Pitcherless podcast then. Uh, but you need to, uh, yeah, it depends roster construction at that point, what you're, what you're comfortable, uh, putting on your roster. Cause there are some, some volume guys. I mean, he should be a volume guy. Uh, if, if Anaheim gets out of the six man rotation mindset, Chris Bassett's back there. So, I mean, there are, there are some ways to get some volume guys that have a safer floor um, than what Arkady has, but I need guys that miss more bats. And, but the recency bias seems to be pretty strong in some places. Yeah. yeah and when it comes to Arkady, I just, I'm looking at the ADP now since February 1st in online championship leagues. So a lot of leagues, I'm just really in on Savale, really in on Stroman, and they're kind of sandwiching. Like he's Arkady sandwiched between them, so I, that's probably what it is. I just don't end up with any Arkady because I'm getting a ton of Savale and a ton of Stroman. Yeah, I'm I'm probably not gonna take him where he's going. Guys uh, that are going around the same spot as him: Andrew Heaney, uh, Jameson Tyon, Marcus Stroman. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, uh, Ryan Yarbrough, who I'm I'm really starting to uh, try to get more shares of uh, as a guy. Into the dark side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm just you know I just I I can't. I'm I'm I mean I might end up with a Yurkiti share here or there when he drops in a draft. Um, I mean he's raised 17 picks over the last month or so uh, in NFBC draft champions leagues, and that's where kind of where why he made this list. But at the same time, like. He's literally coming in with, or he literally has the same ADP that he did at the beginning of draft season. So his draft stock dipped and then just went right back to where it is. So <laughs> I, I don't think it's necessarily that as big of a change maybe as I originally thought. Um, all right, that's going to wrap us up for this episode. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining us. Oh, I appreciate it, man. Again, I really am thankful for the opportunity and uh, can't. I just can't thank you enough. It's really just awesome. Uh, remind everybody you can reach on social media and then plug everything you do. Oh, man. My, the best part, right? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. Again, spring training, all things spring training lineups. That's really my main focus right now. Other than that, I'll write something else here and there. But other than that, it's, like I said, it's just spring training right now. Full focus. All right. Jason, uh, where can you be reaching? What are you working on? So working on uh, – I'll have the uh, have the AL Labor draft tonight. So that recap will be up on my Rotowire column this week uh, once uh, – you know, probably Wednesday – 
uh, to get that up there. And then uh, next weekend, no drafts. Thank God. I think I got to do taxes next week, but that's like like mm-hmm. my last draft-free weekend. I have uh, my NL Home League draft on the 21st. I have NL or AL Tout on the 20th. So heavy draft season next weekend somehow fell to like nothing's happening. And thank goodness I do have, there are some, a couple spots left in the, in the beat Jason uh, Rotowire online championship on NFBC. I think there's four spots left. Uh, so if somebody wants to jump in there and uh, take a swing at me uh, figuratively, figuratively uh, maybe literally, if you win, uh, we see each other in person. <laughs> I, I, if that motivates people to close the line, um, then uh, close it up. Then yeah, uh, but there's some spots open there if you want to do that. And that's supposed to be this Tuesday night uh, at eight o'clock if you can do that. Uh, so um, take a look at that. Uh, then yeah, you can reach me on Twitter at Justin Mason FWFB. Uh, doing uh, writing daily on fan, on fan graphs right now. So. Uh, ADP market reports and ranks are pretty much the things that I'm doing here for the next two weeks, and then we'll start up the Roto write up uh, right before the start of the season. Um, and then yeah, uh, TGFBI podcast going strong with my wife uh, Danielle. Uh, I have thoroughly just trounced her uh, in the middle rounds of this draft, so I, I'm no longer worried about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that's actually true at the end but um uh yeah and then uh yeah beat justin mason league um i'll put the uh, link to both jason's and mine's uh online championship beat leagues um mine is i believe uh march 28th at 4 p.m eastern so uh if you want to uh come hang out with me on a sunday i'll be live streaming that whole draft so you can actually hear me um live in clubhouse about- uh, not in Clubhouse, <laughs> definitely not in Clubhouse, but uh, I'll be I'll be live streaming pretty much all my drafts the rest of the way. So, um, mixed touts coming up, uh, both my main event drafts coming up, uh, and the Friends of Fantasy Benefits uh, main event qualifier league is tomorrow night. So I'll be live streaming all of those. So if you follow me on Twitch, YouTube, um, uh, Facebook, and Twitter, any of those places, you can catch all those live streams. So uh, you kind of hear my process. Um, and sometimes other people's processes while we're going through those drafts. So uh, that will wrap us up for Jason, Mike, myself. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic baseball season.